Not there yet? Some are saying no, some are saying yes. How are we doing? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, about a four-month preaching series, and there's going to be eight different people from our congregation that are going to take turns talking about what we call our message, and our message all focuses around Jesus Christ and who he is, and since there are eight statements, and you can see them in the front of your bulletin there about Jesus, Jesus is unique, Jesus is uh, essential, Jesus is all-sufficient, and on down there, there's going to be uh, one of the people from our congregation are going to speak on each one of these. And then the following Sunday, you are going to get to speak on that topic that was shared the week before. And um, I, I get the privilege to introduce this whole Our Message focus for the next uh, four months or so. And I am very excited about it um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm going to bring this out more in a minute, but by way of illustration, I, I think about how sports teams sometimes get into um, uh, a disaster in terms of their performance as a team. And oftentimes when coaches are interviewed after a long time failure by the team to win, the coach will say something, well, we got to get back to the what? Basics. The basics. We got to get back to the basics. We got to get back to the fundamentals. It doesn't matter what sport you're playing, if it's baseball or football or basketball, there's just fundamental basics that have to be mastered and mastered to the point that they just become not second nature, but first nature. You know, when I, I am fascinated. Probably the sport that fascinates me the most is soccer. Anyone agree with that? I mean, basketball is hard enough. You got to dribble, and I played basketball. And most times when you dribble, people are looking at the ball because you got to see where the ball comes up, move your hand there. But you watch professional basketball players, they are dribbling like this. <laughs> they're looking for where everyone is and they're moving and they just know where that ball is. That's, dribbling is a basic. Layups are basic. Those soccer guys, how do they do that? They're moving this ball as if they were using their hands. They're using their feet, and they're dancing all around, and they're dodging people, and they're looking around. How do human beings do that? Basics. And, and those who are athletes will tell you mastering the basics basically means doing what? Doing it over and over and over and over. Uh, I remember when I was playing basketball in high school, and I wasn't that good. I would just carry a basketball around with me, and I would dribble wherever I would go and try to not look and watch and dribble and go around because you just, you just got to do it all the time. And coaches, again, will say when a team's kind of lost its edge, well, we got to get back to the fundamentals. We got to get back to the basics. And if you've ever been on a sports team, the coaches will run the guys and back through the, the basic things. And sometimes the athletes will groan and moan because they've made a million layups before, but they need to do two million or something in, in order to really do it well. Well, that's true for a lot of areas of life. Even true in our own personal lives, it's true in the church. And oftentimes when we're going through life as individuals, as a family, as a church, 
sometimes we can lose the basics, especially when the enemy of God and our enemy is always working to move us away from the basics because when it comes to Christianity and when it comes to life, the basics is Jesus Christ. It's not a skill, it's not a technique, it's not a discipline. It's Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ, the whole of the church rises and falls on how well the people of God not just know about Jesus Christ, but are related to Jesus Christ, experience Jesus Christ, and become like Jesus Christ. I mean, even when you think about the name of the world religion, and let's treat Christianity for a moment as a world religion, there's Hinduism and there's Buddhism and there's Confucianism and Taoism and, and all these different world religions. We belong to the one that's called what? Christianity. And what is Christianity, by the virtue of its name, should be all about? Christ. Jesus Christ. Not just Christ as the New Agers talk about it, but the Christ, which is a title of a man who lived 2,000 years ago, and his name was Jesus. Matter of fact, in the Bible, we know from history that uh, we're told in the book of Acts where Christians were first called Christians, and it was almost an insulting term. It was saying to that, you're like, you're little Jesuses. You're little Jesuses. That's, that's what the people who didn't like the church would call Christ followers. They were first called, you know, often called uh, followers of the way. But then this, this term came up, Christian, little Christ. Why? Because you guys are always talking about Jesus. You're singing about Jesus. You're magnifying Jesus. You're preaching about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus this, Jesus that. We don't want to hear it anymore. And the enemy of Jesus Christ is trying and is always trying to get God's people again as individuals, because this is a message for us as individuals as well as for us as a church, to somehow lose sight of the basics, to somehow get us to focus on systems and programs and missions and good works and, and the way we organize ourselves and, and if you look at church history, Satan has been successful in almost every generation in pulling significant numbers of Christ followers away and distracting us from the basics. And through this sermon series, and, and even maybe more importantly, this, this uh, focus on Jesus that we call our message, I mean, that's, that's supposed to help anchor us in our basics as a church, as Walnut Creek friends, and anchor us even as individuals, that I am all about Jesus. If I'm not about Jesus, then I'm not sure why I call myself a Christian. And if our church is not all about Jesus, then it's really not a Christian church. And I'm not saying that's true for me or for the church. I just want to say that's the way it needs to be, that we are about Jesus Christ. We're not about George Fox. We're not about the Pope, we're not about a history, we're not about a way to do music, we're not about um, the way we govern ourselves or organize ourselves, we're not about a mission, a certain mission that God gave us. If you look at the history of the Quaker movement and what God was doing, the unique thing about the early Quakers 350 so years ago 
was that it was simply just all about Jesus. So much so about Jesus that they decided to build simple buildings rather than in ornate cathedrals. You won't find any Quaker cathedrals in the world. They don't exist. Early Quakers refused to even call the, the building they were meeting in a church because in the Bible, a church means the people of God, the people for whom Jesus died and who are becoming like Jesus through his power. And, 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 and in their day in England, 350 years ago, much like still today, the word church means both the people, but it can also mean the building that the church meets in. And the early Quakers, they worked hard to make a distinction between the religious forms and ceremonies and rituals that had grown up around Jesus over a period of uh, 14, 15, 16, 1700 years and try to get back to the basics. And you could actually say as you look at church history that whenever God raise up, raises up a movement whether it's the charismatic movement or whether it's the uh, movement that he started through the, uh, John Wesley or, or George Fox, that God is saying, okay, guys, we got to get back to the basics. We got a little distracted here. You're not handling the ball right. Let's get back to the basics. And here we have opportunity, and, and it's always true when there's a time of transition in an organization, which we're in right now, to say, okay, let's take a deep breath and let's get back to the basics. Why are we here? Who are we? And what are we supposed to be doing? And not just keep maintaining the status quo. And so that's one of the reasons why Ministry and Council said, let's get back to the basics. Let's help everyone to focus on our message. And let's look at Jesus, who he is, and the realization of what we do as individuals and corporately as a church should be born out of who Jesus is. So in this sermon series, it's not going to be only looking at Jesus, but also if Jesus is this way, if he is truly unique, and there's no substitute for him, how then should we live as individuals, and how should we live as a church community? And if Jesus Christ is love, how should we then live as individuals, and how should we live as a church community? And we believe that focusing on Jesus is always the best thing to do. And when you look at the New Testament, Jesus really is the star, amen? Matter of fact, not just the New Testament, if you look at all of the Bible, Jesus is the star. Because Jesus, who shows up 2,000 years ago, was talked about, preached about, prophesied about, hoped for, looked forward to, longed for, prayed about, long before he ever showed up. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. God would say he was going to send his Messiah, his anointed one, this, this hero, this savior, this redeemer, this king of kings, this lord of lords, this servant, this, and all these different pictures of this guy who would show up and be our hero. I was also thinking this morning about all the superheroes that human beings have invented and you're the, ex, the resident expert on superheroes. How many do we have? Thousands of superheroes. Why do you think we create superheroes? I, I didn't ask you about this ahead of time. So, what, what's, our, what's our fascination with superheroes? It's the struggle between ultimate good and ultimate evil. Did you everyone hear that? It's the struggle between ultimate good and ultimate evil. 
And I agree with you, because I was thinking about that this morning. Man, we are really, and if it's not comic book heroes, if you look at uh, history and sociology and the religions that human beings have created or the myths that we created, we, that human beings have been creating comic book characters forever, right? I mean, Hercules isn't a comic book. Is he a comic book hero? He is. He's in the comic books. But, you know, we didn't invent him. He's a Greek guy. So there is a longing, and perhaps more important than just a longing, there is a need in the human soul for us to find, let's see, the Bible, and the way God would say it, our Savior. The way the world would say it is our hero. The man or the woman who's going to rescue us. The, the, the superman, the, the one who has the power, has the wisdom, has the, has the money, has the resources, has the charisma, has the whatever, that's going to be our superhero. And, and we need to realize and maybe be helpful to think that, you know, Jesus is that ultimate, ultimate answer to the heart's cry, our heart's cry, my heart's cry, that I need a hero. I need someone stronger than me, better than me, purer than me, smarter than me, someone in control, someone who can run faster, jump higher, um, stop a bullet, I mean, whatever. And it's Jesus. Amen? It's Jesus. Now, he may not always show up when I want him to, the way I want him to do. That's not his fault. That means that I don't understand my hero well enough and know the, the story that's going on. Oftentimes, we often think that in, in life, too, that we are the star of the story, but we're not. Jesus is the star of the story. Jesus is the star of your life story. You are not the star of your life story. Jesus is, which means things are going to happen in a way, and we need to play out our role in a way where we let Jesus show up and do his thing display himself. And that's a huge part of what it means to live the Christian life by faith, to basically not hog the stage and say, this is about me, save me, it's all about me, do it my way, and say, no, I'm going to be the, the best leading actress or the best leading actor, and I'm going to let the star show up when he's supposed to show up. And as a church, we need to do that as well. You know, Paul and the other writers were always talking this way about Jesus. And I just want to draw your attention for a little while here into the book of Colossians chapter 1. In a lot of Paul's writings, he has a, a long list of, of why God is so great, especially as displayed in Jesus Christ. And the book of Colossians is just like that. Matter of fact, he's got a sentence in here that's so long, it's it's difficult for us to read and follow and break down, but that's how Paul often writes. I'm going to pick up at verse 13 of chapter 1. I didn't tell Vinny this ahead of time. Are you looking for that, Vinny? No. Oh, boy, you're fast. Good. And I think that's New International Version. Yes, I'm going to read out of New American Standard, so if it's confusing, just listen to what I'm saying here. Paul says this. For he, and the he here is God, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, that is Jesus, 
in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, verse 15, now the he here is Jesus himself. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. Now in Jewish thinking, to be the firstborn means preeminence. The firstborns in their culture got the best of everything, the biggest of everything. They were the leaders. They were the ones who, who inherited the best of the family. So he's taking that picture there and saying, Jesus, though he wasn't the first human being, is the firstborn of God, meaning he has preeminence. He has first place. And he builds on that. He's the firstborn of all creation, verse 16. For by him... That is Jesus. All things were created. You know, a lot of people don't realize that when they're reading in Genesis and it says, and God said, let there be light. I know I used to think this way for decades in the church, that, that God the Father was saying, let there be light. But the Bible teaches it wasn't God the Father saying, let there be light. It was who? It was Jesus who said, let there be light. It was Jesus who said, let the dry land appear. It was Jesus that said, let us make man in our... It was Jesus that... The Father has let his Son do the work and, the, and to receive the glory. For by him all things were created, not just on earth, but both in the heavens and on earth, visible and visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and... For Jesus. He is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, that is the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that Jesus himself will come to have what? First place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of God to dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through Jesus, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. I almost wish, I wish I could, I wish I could see Paul's face as he's saying this. A lot of his letters he, he dictated and someone wrote, but can you feel the emotion behind what he's saying here? I mean, I mean it's building up, it's ramping up. He's not giving a theology class here. He is just enthralled with his hero. He is amazed by Jesus. He is excited. He is passionate. He is just, he's on a roll here. He's just moving forward. And he goes on to say, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, you were engaged in evil deeds, yet now Jesus has reconciled you in his fleshly body through his death. Why? That ultimately in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now i got to explain that last verse here a little bit because I think a lot of times when we talk about Jesus in the church, 
and especially when it's close to a verse where the words redemption and the cross and the blood and his death, that, um, that this is the way I was taught Christianity, that Jesus is basically about saving me from the penalty of sin and I don't really change that much, but I, God's not going to send me to hell. And thank you, Jesus. That's wonderful. And it is, it's wonderful that I'm not going to go to hell and going to be with God, that I can have this relationship with God. But God says, I'm not done there. That You're not saved fully yet. There's more to do in our lives. He says, even though Jesus had died for you and reconciled you to the Father, you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in order to present you before him, how? Holy and blameless. And not just legally holy and blameless, but in practice, in actuality, in behavior. God would do this incredible rescuing, saving hero work by making us people who are just like who? Jesus. He's still the star. We're not becoming 80% like Jesus. He is the blueprint of a perfect human being. He is the prototype of a perfect human being. He is the human being we're all to look at and say, I want to be like him. He does everything. God has done, and this is one of the things that blows my mind away about the ingenuity of God as a designer. In the wisdom of God, he can solve all our problems through one guy. Does that amaze you at all? All the diversity of the problems of sin, to how it destroys our body, how it destroys our soul, how it destroys the environment, how it destroys our relationship, how it destroys uh, our relationship with God, how it makes us vulnerable to demons and Satan. I mean, all the problems of sin, God can wrap up the solution and put it in one person, all the fullness of God there in Jesus, who became a human being so we could see him and know him and touch him and smell him and relate to him as one of us, that God would be close. He'd be one of us. He'd, he'd be here with us. He'd be Emmanuel, God with us. That is just so cool that God can pull all that off. I, I can't think of how to do that. Could you think of how to do that? None of us could. I mean, and this is a hero that's not... I mean, I, I think it's pretty true that every superhero has a weakness, right? They have a vulnerability. For Superman, it's kryptonite. For Batman, you know, Batman really doesn't have any superpowers. He just has a lot of money and is a smart chemist and an engineer. Really? He has no superpowers. He just has money and what? He has, he has a utility belt. Pardon? Albert is the engineer. Albert is the engineer. Okay. And, and I, I watched a show recently where they were talking about Green Lantern. The Green Lantern, which I've never read anything about. And, and, but, but one of the guys said, you know, I find it strange that Green Lantern can be defeated by the color yellow. And one of the other guys said, well, that's the old Green Lantern. The Green Lantern doesn't, can't be defeated. But then another one said, yeah, but that Green Lantern can be defeated by wood. So the first guy said, so I can beat the Green Lantern with a number two pencil? <laughs> you know, every, every superhero has his weakness. You know what? Jesus has no weakness. He has no vulnerability. 
He has no downside. Matter of fact, a lot of superheroes are just, yeah, some good strengths are magnified, but some of their bad things of human character are magnified too, right? Jesus has no bad side. He has no downside. He's perfect. He's pure. He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. He's, he's the star of the show. And he does not fail, and he cannot fail, and he will not fail, and we can count on him. And that's, and that's what our lives need to be about. And that's what our church needs to be about. And as we go through this sermon series, one of the things that we're going to focus on, again, is not just who Jesus Christ is, unique, absolutely necessary, all-sufficient, alive and present and active, love, Lord, the living word and the Christ of God, but that, well, if he is that, and if we really believe that, then how should we live? How should we live as individuals? What would that look like if Jesus is really this way? What should we look like? And what should we as a group of Christians look like? And that is, again, why um, it's so important for us to get back to the basics. Because when you're a part of a denomination that's been around for some 350 years, it's easy that the... the um, the way that denomination behaves and does things and organizes itself, we can lose focus of why it was set up that way. We can lose focus of why early Quakers chose not to fight with their enemies or even exercise any form of self-defense. And we start talking about self-defense and we start to talk about justifiable wars and how to run a civil government and, and people lose sight of the basic. And the basic is what? Jesus. You know, the reason why I won't shoot or kill anyone is because I believe Jesus won't shoot or kill anyone. It's as simple as that. I don't know a Jesus who would pick up a gun for any reason and shoot any human being under any circumstances. I don't know that Jesus. And because I don't know that Jesus, that compels me to live like Jesus. Well, Steve, that might get you killed or in trouble or something. Yeah, I know that, but you know what? My death isn't the end of the story because my hero can raise me from the dead. And I am not the savior for my wife or my children or my country. I am not the guy. I am not the savior. Jesus is. And the reason why we would not vote in our business meetings is because we believe Jesus is alive and present in every human being and 51% of the people don't make it right. And the goal is to find out what Jesus wants us to do. And if Jesus wants us to do it, then we're going to work on that. And so the early Quakers, they were, what's the word I want to use? Ruthless would be the best word. They were ruthless in trying to separate and pull away from the true identity of Jesus. The, the stuff, I almost used a bad word there, the stuff... <laughs> that had grown up around Jesus, that, that, that came to be known as Christian, called as Christian, and to this day is still treated as if it were Christian. But it's neither biblical nor Christ-like. It's just garbage. It's just stuff that's grown up around Jesus like a parasite, like a virus, and it has to be removed. And the early Quakers, they were just bold. They were ruthless. They were... 
They were violent in a good way with the things that should not be connected to Jesus. So when brothers and sisters around them in Christ, or people who, some were Christians and some weren't, just called themselves Christians, acted one way, for example, um, it was very common in those days and through most of human history that um, you can't count on me to tell the truth unless I swear to tell the truth. And even today in our court of law, you have to swear to tell the truth in a court of law. Becky and I were just, she's smirking because she knows where this is going. We just refinanced our house and a notary public had to come to our house and, and we had to sign all these legal documents. And at one point she had to say, and we just went along with it in this case, there just was no time or place to deal with it differently. She says, do you swear to tell the truth? I wanted to, give, I wanted to talk to her about Jesus at that point. Because in our culture, it's assumed people lie unless you're swearing to tell the truth. And the early Quakers said, that's not Jesus. Jesus never lies, so we will never lie. And to swear that I won't lie implies that I think that sometimes it's okay to lie. So they were ruthless with that. They went to jail because they would not swear. They went to jail because they would not fight. They went to jail because they would not take their hats off and what was called bow and scrape. You'd bow so low before a king or a governor or a ruler, a civil ruler. Can you do in the, imagine doing this with the mayor of Concord or the mayor of Walnut Creek or Martinez? You'd take your hat off, and if you didn't have a hat, you still had to bow so low that you, it's called bow and scraping, so what are you doing? You gotta touch the ground. You gotta put your head lower. And they thought that is an arrogant, demand and request by human beings for a right and an honor that we reserve only for God. So we're not going to give to human civil authority an honor, a worshiping honor that we reserve only for God. They went to jail for that. They lost property for that. Quakers were, were uh, killed for that. Even in this country, there were five Quakers who were hung in Boston by the other Christians of other denominations who didn't like how Quakers lived. They were ruthless with things that didn't belong to Jesus. You know, honestly, I want to stand before you as an individual and I can only speak for myself and say, I want to be like that. If it's not belonging to Jesus, I'm, I want to cut it out. I don't need to have anything to do with it. Because I believe Jesus is all-sufficient, that my hero, my savior, my redeemer, God's son, does not need earthly forms and ceremonies and symbols and buildings and days and calendars and systems to save me. That my life is so rooted and grounded in him and him alone that I'm free from all those other things. And I will give other brothers and sisters in the Lord the freedom to do what they need to do according to their conscience. That's fine with me. But for me and my house, as best I can do this, it's all going to be about Jesus. And the church that I want to be a part of, I'd like it to all be about Jesus. And that's it. Back to the basics. Back to the fundamentals. 
And so we're going to have opportunity to do that. And it's going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging to me. It's going to be challenging to all of us. I know it's going to be challenging to the men and women who are going to be bringing those messages. Because it's easy to say, Jesus is all sufficient. Amen? It's hard to live that truth. It's easy to say, Jesus is love. It's hard to live it when it means loving your enemies. Amen? But let's not do the easy thing. Let's be ruthless. Let's find the things in our life that are like parasites. Pull them off of our lives, out of our lives, and let's just go with Jesus. That's my hope and that's my prayer. I hope it is yours too. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is unique and there is no other like him. And even though his physical presence in one body discontinued 2,000 years ago, you have made it so that he is more real to us here now than anything we could imagine or pretend. Jesus, you are here. You are real. You do act. You do save. You do hear. You do empathize. Lord, you are here with us. And you're not trapped in this building. And you don't just visit us on Sunday mornings. And not just when we dress a certain way or sing certain songs. Lord, thank you for your constant presence. Lord, may we grow in our understanding of you. May we see you more clearly. Open our eyes, Lord. Let us see you. Open our hearts that we might feel you. Help us to, to be bold, to be courage, uh, courageous, to be faithful, to move away from the things that hinder our experience with you and into the things that magnify our experiences with you. And Lord, we do thank you for Walnut Creek Friends Church. We thank you for, for why it's here. We thank you for its history. We thank you for even our recent history and how you will cause all things to work together for good, that you have, you have a plan to glorify your son Jesus in this church. And we want to be available. We want to be ready. We even want to be proactive, Lord, to be a part of that story that you're building here. And Lord, I'm believing, I'm sure it's true, that there are countless numbers of people in this community, some who already know you and many who don't, who would love to be in a community like I just described, who would be drawn to it irresistibly because they know something intuitively that you're not a God of religion, you're a God of life and power. And they're looking for where Christianity is expressed that way. So, Lord, may we be that for those who are looking for that. May you uh, be free to bring people here by the hundreds, by the thousands even, even more. May we plant churches. May we send out missionaries. May we train leaders. May we get back to the basics in a way that you can build a house that is pleasing to you. And we ask this in, through, and because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand.